Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Hey, y'all. If you would like to improve the sound quality of your visuals and content, try Boxed Up. You can visit their website at tryboxedup.com or their Instagram page at tryboxedup. What's poppin', everybody? This episode, we are going to be talking about the 1997 drama, in my mind, a little bit of comedy. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed. But we are going to be talking about soul food. I'm excited. Okay, can you explain? I mean, it did say it was a a drama, comedy, drum-com, whatever you want to call them. (laughs) Um, when, she, when the sisters were fighting, is that where you left? <laughs> From the very beginning, Big Mama said, get your black ass out here now. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, you do have point. Everybody's happy. We'd be even more happy if we go out there and beat that hoe down. <laughs> <laughs> You're pregnant, Vivica Box. You should not be beating any hoes down. You have to think about the baby. <laughs> I mean, she's about that life. <laughs> <laughs> You always need that one sister that's ready to fight, no matter what. Not if she's pregnant. I need somebody yeah. to take over. <laughs> nope. Them the ones that you really need to be afraid of. <laughs> I mean, Terry was bougie, but Terry was with it. She went out there like she was ready to knock a few bucks. I mean, Terry also grabbed a knife. <laughs> Terry did grab a knife. Terry uh, did drag Vivica Fox out the car, too. And did. Now. <laughs> I mean, having Terry as an older sister, I would then be inclined to have to beat bitches' asses too. Because <laughs> I have to be her ass because she always beat my ass. And now I got to beat everybody else's ass because I'm getting my ass beat. So uh, there's that. <laughs> and I know it's not supposed to be funny. It's not supposed to be funny at no, all. No, we're not. But Aww. fuck the family. I left the family in my house. And you know what? The family fucked my husband. Yeah, Ooh. they fucked my husband. Fuck the family. The family, I love the family in my house. You know what? The family fucked my husband. Yeah, Faith fucked my husband. <laughs> that was oof. Man. <laughs> Can we talk about what? Fuck you! <laughs> Girl, pick that knife up quick. Wait, so I did know that they said that that was like an impromptu like type of scene what? Um, where they find out. Yeah. what? So everybody's reaction is a real reaction to them finding out that Terry and Miles fucked. Right. And so I'm wondering if the knife part is also <laughs> the natural reaction, <laughs> because it does seem kind of like, whoa, <laughs> shit was going crazy. This really went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it coming. So I wonder if that's the case. If you if you know, give us give us a call. Let us know. Where are they calling us? Courtney. Send us an email. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, send us an email, comment, DM, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do I think this is? 1997 where people call. <laughs> <laughs> you still uh, in Martin mode. You you thinking we at the radio station. I am, right. right. We're not a radio station. We are a podcast. (laughs) Call us. Call in. Call me now. I feel like this is you now. Right. Call me now. Did you have any other quotes 
from um, this movie that stuck out to you? Okay. I kind of feel like I'm on the spot because I have a few that <laughs> <laughs> that I feel like I should, I should remember off the top of my head. So I'm drawing a blank. Okay, I got one. <laughs> okay, go ahead. One finger won't make an impact. But you ball all those fingers into a fist and you could strike a mighty blow. This family got to be that fist. <laughs> did what? you know? Big Papa, what? Girl, did you know it took them eight times <laughs> to film that particular scene? They were so Why? annoyed. <laughs> I don't. Because of this, what came out? What was the, what was the end result? <laughs> They're like, they, they said they got tired of eating the food. Over oh. and over again. Yeah, before those eight to like nine different food, takes. Though. It did. So they also hired a special chef mm. um, to actually make the food taste as good as it looked. So I would I would hope so. But I was concerned because it didn't look like they had no meat in their greens. She said hog mugs. Why we got to have the hog mugs in there? But when, I don't know. Maybe that was after Big Mama died. <laughs> oh, because she struggled. She struggled for real. Huh. So if um, and technically, I don't even know if we can do this for copyright issues, mm-hmm. but I do feel that the best synopsis of um <laughs> of the film Soul Food is done by Riley from the Boondocks. So I would like for him to give his uh full, you know, just mm-hmm. informational mm-hmm. on exactly what happened and and what was um what was the overall <laughs> plot of the film. Allow me to share that with you quickly. <laughs> Soul Food is a movie about a big, humongous black grandmother, aptly named Big Mama. Big Mama demonstrates her love by feeding herself and her offspring enormous amounts of pig lard. Then, get this, Big Mama's arteries are so clogged, they gotta amputate her arm. It was her leg! Right, okay, whatever, leg. Then, she dies of a heart attack. <laughs> Or another stroke, or something. God called her home. And what does the family do after she dies? They get together for a Sunday dinner and eat the same food that just killed Big Mom. The same food! They didn't learn a lesson. Nobody went on a diet, and that's the end of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that, I mean, so, I get it now that I've watched the movie again. And it's funny because that's exactly what the premise of the movie is. <laughs> um, because, well, you did see this one little part. I will say they had a home garden. So it was it was food and the greens and the tomatoes were coming from their, their garden. They was they was tending it together at the end. Remember? Yeah, I mean, it took the whole kitchen to explode in order for that to happen and Big Mama to die first. But, you know, as I guess a lesson yeah. eventually was learned. But, I mean, she, mm-hmm. <laughs> when Maxine asked, <laughs> told Big Mama, <laughs> you haven't been watching what you eat. Bitch, you have been watching her eat. You're eating the same thing that she is. Okay. You know she diabetic and you come over the house and cook this food with her each week. Right. And then, I mean, I'm sure there has to be leftovers. So she, Big Mama probably having that two or three other times throughout the day. <laughs> her Uncle Pete. Right. You want the leftovers? <laughs> yeah, yes. 
I don't say no to no Thanksgiving leftovers every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, eat it. <laughs> uh, nobody's cutting my leg off, and that's that. Girl, I was like, I feel damn. Like there's no other context for that, for those words to be assembled in that order. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have my quote, random as fuck. My okay. quote. So you remember when um was when Lim lost his job and he went to Kenny and he said, he said, believe me, you don't want to tell a black woman. No, he no, he said, you don't want to tell a woman, a black woman. Then she ain't got no job. <laughs> you ain't got no J O O B. I was like, damn, they do got a point right there. <laughs> you you know, you a Woman could lay around the house, but ain't no man gonna be able to lay around the house. They was they were speaking some true facts right there. I ain't gonna even lie. I mean, especially cut the grass, you might go do something. <laughs> and even still, with doing the grass, put the caps on, whatever, doing just take the trash out. You still gonna be considered a trifling motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sorry, they didn't you say because somebody else's grass no. makes somebody something. So, did were you aware that this film was also uh, set in Chicago? I was. Okay. And actually, I saw the, the skyline. They didn't have the Sears Tower. One of them towers. Um, okay. In the background. <laughs> Sears. <laughs> Willis, I thought I saw it when they was walking. Okay. Well, this when they were walking, but at the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. when they kind of come and like go into like people going into the wedding, I was like, that's Chicago. Then I didn't see the, the, the Willis Tower or the Sears Tower. So I was like, oh, wait, maybe it's not. But then so I you remember. you didn't know it was set in Chicago before I, this. I didn't know originally. Okay. But now I, I was like, before moving here, no. I did not know it was set in Chicago. No. I look so for I certain guess, landmarks. I mean, I'm sure that helps. You've been to these places now. <laughs> and also, she was uh, Vanessa or Vivica Fox, one of them hoes. Wow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not our Black cinema <laughs> royalty. One of them hoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was Vivica Fox. She was doing a, a movie also at the same time. I think it was Hustlers or Hoodlums. Say yeah. Hustlers? What? Hustlers? Girl, go to sleep. <laughs> go let out. <laughs> okay, one of the hoes was doing something. What happened? <laughs> and they were filming at the same time in Chicago, which is why they they have it here because she was actually filming at the same time doing something else on the side. I must really want you to be a part of that movie. They move their whole set just to to appease your schedule. That's that's boss moves right there. I guess she was yeah, pretty. I mean, she was pretty important back then. I mean, all not of them was. She, not this right was now. a great cast. Like we it have. Was. We have uh, <laughs> Vivica Fox and Vanessa Williams and Nia Long mm-hmm. and Makai Pfeiffer mm-hmm. and just uh, it, that's the start. And the list goes on, right? <laughs> Michael Beach, who I feel like was the same age for a very long time, and then oh just God. all of a sudden aged like real fast. Right. Just, <laughs> <laughs> no, what happened? He had so many films like between ninety five and ninety seven that he kind of had his little moments in. Mm. So. That's but funny. he looked the same and lean on me. And that was like, what, 89? <laughs> <laughs> I know. He was in Space Jam, too. Like, fuck. <laughs> you never age. But yeah. I think we're talking about two different people. But okay. Are we? 
You're talking about the little boy, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's bread to Hammond. But yeah, okay. Yeah. You your point to him, yes, facts. He did a lot of movies all at one time <laughs> where he was about the same age. Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my it's god. It's okay though. Great points were made. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's why I love you. And I'm always gonna support you because you always support me and my dumb shit. <laughs> and speaking of stars though, um, the movie was produced by uh Babyface. Well, he was one of the producers, mm-hmm. and then also had the group Milestone in the actual movie, and they were singing with his brothers and Casey and JoJo and mm-hmm. I love that part. And I think the character's name was Miles because the group name was Milestone. She said, the, the group name is Milestone. It ain't them. Right. <laughs> I was like, them stones? Wow. Okay. <laughs> but then I was like, dag, that made it seem like the, the with Babyface being one of the producers, it helped make the soundtrack so awesome because mm-hmm. that Milestone song was such a big hit. And it also sounds like what Miles' character was basically mm-hmm. saying to Terry at that girl, I care about you. I'm there for you. So why don't you care about me like mm. I care about you? Sometimes mm, I'm not sure that, that I'm all you got. Sometimes uh-huh. I'm not sure you love me. You love mm. me. Yeah. There's one thing <laughs> that I'm certain of. <laughs> That I care for you. And the one thing yeah. that I want is that you care for me too. <laughs> Not the lyrics. <laughs> said, yes. just, just how Miles feel. <laughs> he did. He did feel that way. And then here come this little fresh hot tail girl coming in there showing him some care. And that was that. I feel <laughs> like... Uh, Faith, cousin Faith, daddy had to be Dominican or something because I I know an Afro Latino when I see one and <laughs> yeah yeah well it was Rican know, or something. What do y'all have in Chicago? Because like in Buffalo we don't have a lot of Dominicans, we have a lot of Puerto Ricans. We Are y'all have a lot of Mexicans? Okay, um, okay. Mexican Independence Day, baby, they Ooh. was out. That Ooh. just passed too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gridlock, so many different spots in downtown Chicago. They was like. It was lit. I was not okay. <laughs> I wanted to go home and I could not go home <laughs> for two hours. I sat in traffic for two hours. It's a fiesta. You're supposed to get out the car and, and start with them. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to go home. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So, I so who? <laughs> I couldn't write. So who? I can stand her and her little stupid bebop way she walks in and walks out of places. <laughs> she had a stupid doofy walk. But other than that, she, she was like, did you ever see how she just walked? Like, why are you walking into the kitchen like this? Because <laughs> I'm here to fuck shit up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's how you walk into places where you know you're about to fuck shit up. <laughs> Terry told her, hey, don't start no shit this time. <laughs> just watch. Watch. <laughs> Here's me on my way to start some shit. <laughs> That was her. Oh, where the fuck shit up? I love it. (laughs) Apparently, 
they were supposed to have some more um, scenes with her and Miles, but they decided to cut it out for the sake of time. I mean, we got the point. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that was a pretty hot and heavy sex scene. It was kind of weird. It was. Maybe I'm just uh, approved, but I feel like I take more um, revving than that. Like, they, ju- they just walked in and... Like, it was just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, maybe the... the, the the purpose of that was to show that they both wanted it. The sexual it was tension ready. was just too much to... Yes. Yeah, he had to excuse himself to the studio. Whatever. <laughs> they lived in Chicago and they had a studio on their roof. They was paid. Yes, they were. At that Ooh. time, that house cost like $5 million. Do you know what that, co- what that would cost right now? I don't know. <laughs> I was say, I, I, I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, okay. So if it costs like five million with this inflation shit, let me do my my math. Carry the one. Okay. Um, it'll be roughly about twenty five million. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that house would have been twenty five million, and Miles only had thirty one thousand one hundred and thirty two dollars <laughs> of his own. <laughs> 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 that was good. <laughs> oh shit! I see. It, it was automatically Terry's money for him too. Oh. <laughs> ATM was uh, for everyone. It was for everyone. She was sick. Okay, everybody had a pin. <laughs> she was so sick of it. She said, the "ATM clothes. I fuck all y'all." <laughs> it was like Terry, you gotta cut it out, Terry. That's why she picked Taking up the knife. Out. Like not old, like this nigga fucked my cousin, and I paid twenty five million dollars. I, I bought this motherfucker. Do you know how much a synthesizer cost? And I put that bitch in the motherfucking roof. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be my she shed. Now let this nigga build a studio. Whatcha? <laughs> but his Lord, hobby. I gotta kill him. Can we talk about what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, Terry. I get it, Terry. I- I would have been there too, yeah. I would have had that knife at fucking fade, honestly. Because she just sit here, bebopping her way, acting like everything okay. She came to the party and went down the Soul Train line after you fucked your cousin. And had the nerve, the little shake a little feather. Shake a tail feather. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they all was at the party, just y'all bold. Mm. Okay, so let's get this. This is a good segue into the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I did something a little bit different. I hope it's okay with you. Nope. I did not. I am treating the family here. And mm-hmm. so instead of diagnosing most of the individual characters of the family, I am kind of looking at it more from a dysfunctional role, family roles, and mm-hmm. the, um, as well as Adlerian childbirth order for the girls as well. And because I Mm -hmm. felt like that kind of really hits at the position that they play in the family and the the development of how things run between them as characters as well as them as a family. Sound cool? Absolutely. Yes. I like it. So I guess then we can start with Terry. My first question, though, with Terry is why? Why was it okay for everybody to just take Terry men? Like they were just beating up. Just yeah. the movie starts with with him, the little boy, the son, telling the story of 
how his mama took his dad from his auntie and then ends with his cousin messing with his uncle and leaving Mm -hmm. his auntie just in in that for that reason um Mm. mostly but lots of others i gave (laughs) terry the role the dual role she has two because fam- uh, family members can play more than one role at one time and they can switch and can change over time as well. And so mm-hmm. I gave her the dual role of the family scapegoat as well as the family hero. Mm, okay. And so to give a little <clears throat> bit more about both of those, um, for the scapegoat within a defunction- dysfunctional family, the scapegoat is cast aside and blamed for the problems that very well may have nothing to do with them. Children who are scapegoated are often very aware of their role in the family and sometimes feel rejected, unlovable, and isolated. And so for, we see um, some parents use that for that child with another one. The child who is a scapegoat and the golden child are often kind of pitted against each other. And this is known as splitting. And I feel like that's what we see between Vivica Fox and Mm -hmm. um, Vanessa Williams. Mm -hmm. It's another way to distract from the family's actual issues. And so the in in therapy and I, who I actually feel like we would probably be seeing initiating therapy either on an individual level or for the family mm-hmm. is uh, Terry. And the scapegoat is usually the only one in the family who is able to be honest about the issues that are going on with the family members that, that they are denying or unable to see. And those um, who are in this role often experience difficulty connecting with others on a genuine level and may self-sabotage. And we also heard that this was Terry's second marriage. This wasn't her first um, marriage with Miles. This was the second one that she was on. And then she also held the role of being the hero. Um, I think this also has to do with her being the oldest child. The hero appears to be high-functioning, well-balanced individual who the family can point to as a solid example that backs up that the family is doing well. That's their facade. Like, we're okay. We got this great lawyer in our family. The hero allows the family to continue to perpetuate the notion that everything is okay, everything is fine, despite there being some issues going on with the individuals or with the entire family system. And the hero may feel a lot of pressure to carry the family's appearance of success and achievement. And they also insert themselves to help resolve familial issues like we see with her calling blimp and then getting them out of jail. And that's the least you could do. Mm-hmm. Because of you, I had to spend weeks in jail. You um, should be thankful. <laughs> the hero may be drawn to relationships where their partners are emotionally unavailable to them. And they may also throw themselves in their work and experience difficulty with real intimacy. Mm-hmm. And with her being the oldest child, old, old, eldest children, rather, often feel dethroned by the next child and because they have to learn how to share. And the parent expectations are us- for them are usually higher than they are for everybody else, and which mm-hmm. kind of makes them a little bit uh, authoritarian and strict, where they feel that their power is right. And they can become helpful if that is encouraged into a good profession, like with her being a lawyer that worked for her, but it didn't necessarily work in her regular everyday life. And firstborns tend to often also be type A personalities who don't give themselves any slack, which Mm -hmm. you could look at Terry and see that she was struggling with all the stuff that she had going on even before Miles and Faith started dibbling and dabbling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said it before. Um, like he wanted to spend time with her. He wanted to dance with her. Like the fact that she couldn't let her, the guard down, the seriousness of like, oh my God, my mother is in the hospital. Yes, yeah, she's in the hospital, but you're not right now. 
And I'm I'm trying to get your mind off that, you know. And so her resistance to he said, wanting girl, that, I care if, about you. Okay, <laughs> I'm there for you. <laughs> so why don't you care for me? Like, like I, care. I care about you. That's it. That's it. Okay. So I definitely agree with that. Um, especially um, as far as the the hero goes, too. She was very quick to mention, you know, all the things that she does and has. And I'm the um, guardian of the estate. You know, I am this. I am that. I am the oldest child. How dare you tell me about tradition? So definitely. <laughs> Maxine that. said, why you always got to tell everybody you pay for everything? She said, because I do. <laughs> oh, okay. And until somebody else start paying for shit, I'm keep reminding y'all that I pay for everything. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> While Terry developed some maladaptive coping, like she, she had a point. <laughs> she did. She did. And here's y'all the thing. gonna put no, some respect on my motherfucking face. <laughs> right. Right. No one wanted to do take up that responsibility because yeah. Because when it came to ha- time to talk about mama's uh uh, hospital bills, they talking about Terry and Miles going to split it. <laughs> well, see, that's what pushed her over the edge. That's why she grabbed the knife. She said, that's I can't why. take this shit no more that's like that. Why. And then we going to talk about the family fucked my husband. Okay. How dare you, Maxine? You of all motherfucking people. <laughs> she was trying to hold it together for the party. Like, if we had to put up this facade, it's people over. Like, I'm trying to hold it together. I'm going to go in the kitchen and be by myself, despite the fact that I know that these two fucked and they here at this party trying to just uh, mingle with everybody else. Like, nothing right. is wrong. She's trying to hold up this facade and she just couldn't do it no more. She said, fuck I couldn't. this party. Fuck I you. Couldn't. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And fuck you. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> I want to slash your hoes. Fuck that. Not pointing and just. No, you just want to slice it and dice it. Like that. Shoot, all of that. I mean, but okay, so the timeline of it, sorry to get us off track, but the timeline Mm -hmm. of it, really, like, how was she supposed to handle this? Because it seems as though they went directly back to the house where the party was happening, and maybe they maybe came a little later or something, and this is time throughout the event. I'm sorry, my, I wouldn't be able to stomach it. I would have to leave. I, I so she, yeah, she that she, hero role is what kept her there. She had to keep appearances the facade. Up for all of these people. Yes, yeah, we are okay. We are well. Everything's fine. Everything is great. Yeah, it's fine. Mm. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. House mm. on fire. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Story of my life. She couldn't take it no more. The Uh, family fucked my husband. (laughs) That is your line. (laughs) It's so funny to me. (laughs) You're so childish. I love it. (laughs) And that's why the movie is a dramedy. (laughs) Oh my God. It was so much drama. There was hardly any laughter. Like, you have to find it. The family fucked my husband. 2.5 seconds. That is not comedy. That is so, that's drama. It's It's drama. Dramedy. You got to find the funny in the drama. You didn't laugh when she went up to faith with the knife? No, I said, (gasps) oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) 
we thought the story was gonna take the movie, the film was just gonna take a dark turn. We just then gonna follow Terry through her stint in prison. Right? How could she use her connects to get herself out of this one? That was like faith. <laughs> she was trying to apologize, like, girl, where? Get out. She told me that she's still there. What you still looking at me for? <laughs> Bitch, get out. Did I tell you to get out? Why you not running? I got a night. You better not be at my house when I get home. Ooh, child. Ooh, child. She, I would have drug her down all 13 flights of stairs to get up to the <laughs> She got upstairs talking about, whew. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hike. <laughs> she said, I'm gonna build up a studio, but I bet you what I won't do, I won't get that nigga elevator. <laughs> That's where Whatever. I draw the line, damn it. Like, damn, they 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 came and everything, like it was done, but she got us. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> Okay, maybe it is funny. It's a dramedy. <laughs> I'm glad I could do this for you. I'm glad I could point out. <laughs> oh my god! Moments where you have to take your laughter. <laughs> hope this was what the podcast does for all of our listeners. <laughs> I hope so, because baby, we be up here clowning. <laughs> okay, yeah. we gotta get off Terry. We've been riding Terry for a long time. Okay, <laughs> poor child. That's what they, the whole family, do it. <laughs> Exactly. We we fall see, and that's what happens. People fall into that homeostasis, mm-hmm. and everyone will continue Look to at function us. so that they maintain that level of chaos. Look, we fit right in the family, girl. When we showing up to dinner, you see, I'm at the table. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at the head of the table, <laughs> ask the peas like we used, used to, to do. do. <laughs> oh, ask the peas like we used to do. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Okay, so who's your next one? I mean, you're going to go with Maxine next? Yeah, we can go with Maxine because we did talk a little bit about the golden child. And so yes. Maxine is their uh, golden child syndrome actually wasn't one of the original uh, roles that they had. But right. more and more research and more and more writings have uh, introduced and kind of accepted golden child syndrome as one of the roles that someone can play as well. And so um, a golden child is a child that has been deemed by their family, most often the parents, to be exceptional in one way or the other but without a foundation for the attributed exceptionalism. Uh, they were, you, mama always said you was the most responsible one. She was the one that got pregnant as a teenager and dropped out of school and then mm. just continued to have kids. And I don't know mm. if she really got a job. Her husband seemed like he the only one working because she always at home taking care of the kids. But, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, Despite being the favorite, the golden child has difficulty differentiating and becoming their own self. They may participate in the abuse of others within the household, like Terry, in order to protect Mm. themselves. Mm. Becoming defensive when they receive criticism because golden children are accustomed to only receiving positive feedback from their loved ones. And they struggle to accept any form of negative feedback as an adult. And with Maxine being a second child, that always that means that there is. From her viewpoint, there's always someone ahead of her, which makes her more competitive and want to overtake almost the older child, where then they can become a rebel or try to outdo everybody. And competition can often build up into a full on rivalry between those two if it's not handled appropriately by the parents. And because dad was off gambling and mama was having to clean Mm. white people's houses and and (laughs) taking laundry, like she said, no one was there to foster their relationship. (laughs) So it developed into a rivalry. (laughs) 
the details that come in based on the <laughs> script. I love it. <laughs> they fit, these roles like to like I I wanted to know a consultant was there someone there friends <laughs> my my people who are in master's programs and if you are taking the DSM class and they tell you to choose a movie <laughs> here you go actually I feel like this might be what like family systems so if you this would be a good family systems, systems class, one this would even be a mm-hmm. good um substance abuse or but the addictive yes. behaviors one if we identify dad as the uh, victim there and then these mm-hmm. are the roles that surround so supported and surrounded him yeah yeah you're welcome a plus yeah you got a plus players hey Uh, (laughs) you know that may or may not be how we came up with the idea of the podcast in the first place but you know what else thanks (laughs) k-crap what else (laughs) (laughs) yeah right fuck you k-crap the family fucked my husband (laughs) (laughs) waving the knife at (laughs) k-crap APA, fuck they, you too. Okay. Here they come with their new standards. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> How you old? Get a grip. <laughs> right. Okay. So, oh, what once, about the caretaker role? Oh, wait, hold on. Okay. That after Big Mama died, uh, I feel like Maxine took on the role of yeah. the enabler. She oh. felt like that was missing. And so then, like we said, those roles can change. Those roles can mm-hmm. shift. There can be more than one. And so it seems like she then began to see herself moving into that place of that. Yeah. Before yeah. we get to that one, though, I did not want to leave Bird out. Uh, the lost okay. child, you just skipped right over her because she's the lost child. she lost? Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Where, was not expecting where? that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so bird. Bird. In a midnight focus. <laughs> Not in okay. All right, so I gave Bird the role of the lost child. <laughs> they often attempt to blend in the background as much as possible to keep mm-hmm. themselves safe and avoid rocking the boat. They might feel a little bit ignored and scared to draw attention to themselves. Uh, parents use them like the hero role almost to basically show everybody how great the family is doing because they're not causing no trouble. Mm-hmm. And so the, in a therapy session, if we were to see them as a family, uh, Bird would probably be very quiet and not speak up unless asked to and may even feel scared or nervous to share her observations from the family. And mm-hmm. that goes also along with her being the youngest child because youngest children uh, tend to be, while the most free-spirited due to their parents, like, you know, how... No, nah, throw the TV like at her as you did like the first one. They kind of mm-hmm. cool down. They get a whole mm-hmm. lot more easier. <laughs> right. With their attitude towards parenting. And so they tend to also, youngest children also tend to be uh, natural charmers. Like how we saw her with uh, Sis, Sim, Samuel, 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 whatever his what? name was. Yeah. Um, they lips. tend to be <laughs> outgoing, have social personalities. And may use may also uh, learn to use their role as the baby to manipulate others to get their way. Mm-hmm. She Again, did that very like well. Sim- Samuel. I mean, so I mean, he did it too. Like he, I don't know what his role is um, as far as his family systems, but he was a, a narcissist and a manipulator too. Um, especially how he came at um, what's his name, Lim. Lim. Uh huh. To to basically tell him well I got you just for you you did not have to bring your little license for, like, for why okay I'm glad he slapped your ass upside the head with that tray <laughs> and stomped um, you out and stomped <laughs> <laughs> you 
a good old jail yard fight beat up <laughs> ass whooping <laughs> That is just how he was fighting and paid in full. <laughs> the tray, though, I mean, they came straight from prison. <laughs> Where was Rico to come help him? Oh, my gosh. That, that was probably his audition. They said, you know what, Makai Pfeiffer, you don't have to audition. We have this <laughs> scene yeah. of you in Soul Food. We um, need you to whoop his ass just like this. Just like this. <laughs> that's hilarious but i did agree i have we have no real information on samuel but i did say that he was um displaying some narcissistic personality okay. traits mm-hmm. um some different behaviors from the things that he was doing my question though there is why did they have to zoom it on his lips for all why? the time and he was <laughs> so glossy like was it gloss or were they just where he's was he licking them i felt like he why? licked them why was the camera like just right below right chin. above the chin? Like why? I don't even call him by his name. He's pink lips. Like that's it. And then like I and he if your teeth not perfect, I would have been so self-conscious. Right. <laughs> I'm like, damn. I, it almost felt like is this how men zoom in on women's features? Like we were just zoomed in on them lips. Like, why? Why is this? I didn't understand yeah. it. Was it because he was just Look at the mouth where they trying to really drive that point home using symbolism. I don't know what making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that has to be it, especially to to do that to zoom in, especially when he was talking to Lamb. Like, why? Why at mm-hmm. that moment? Why didn't they zoom in when he was talking to to Bird? So yeah, I don't know. It was all the mm. okay. Anyway. So- you asked for the enabler, um, the caretaker, in mm-hmm. uh, damn near in this role, the martyr <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> would be mm-hmm. Mama Joe, Big Mama. And mm-hmm. so the enabler caretaker attempts to keep everyone within the family happy, even if it means denying the real issues at hand. And so in their younger years, it was dad's gambling. And now it's her diabetes. We just no one going to take my leg. And that's is that. that is diabetes. Oh, okay, that her sugar. Her so sugar. both <laughs> the individual uh, taking on this role denies the experience of others from dealing with the actual issue that the family is experiencing. They continue to pick up the pieces in order to prevent a meltdown, a breakdown, or everybody from hitting rock bottom. And so, while this keeps the family balanced in an unhealthy way, it actually prevents the family from healing and moving forward towards like growth. <laughs> fixing yeah. the, the problems <laughs> yep yep yeah you can i can see that as like a little bit of an example especially with faith and you know um with maxine calling it out and saying well she always runs and so i'm wondering because of big mama that she kind of hid mm-hmm. behind big mama and would be like you know protecting her kind of getting people to get over it in a way um and moving on without addressing it and so that allow Faith to get that, to be able to do that, to to just run away and come <laughs> come in, be bopping the fuck shit up, and then, <laughs> then run away. Yeah, I gave uh, Faith actually a role in the child birth order uh, kind of placement oh, yeah? as the adopted child. Yes, and so yeah. when her uh, people died, it sounded like they took her in for a mm-hmm. while and until she was grown and. Grown enough, I guess, to start stripping and then be discovered. Mm-hmm. And okay, whatever. Yeah. Why did why eighteen did baby seventeen this? Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> oh, another role there. <laughs> the 
so Big Mama was, like you were saying, was just so thankful to have her in, in their home and taking care of her that they tend to spoil them, which then they try to uh, they're trying to compensate for the loss of that child's biological parents by like just here giving, just giving, giving, giving. And that person may then become very spoiled and demanding. And eventually they can either idealize or resent the their biological parents. So the parents that died of hers, she could either like, they're either Tupac in her mind or she resents them for leaving her because mm-hmm. there is this situation that she was now in. Um, I think that there is a lot of faiths, like constant moving behavior and seeking mm-hmm. that approval mm-hmm. in different places is could pro- potentially be attributed to her losing her parents. We don't know the exact way of what happened or if it was at the same time or if she had one and not the other. Like we don't have enough details to really dig into faith. So I just gave her the the role of the adopted child in the birth order of this family. Yes, I would definitely agree. I'm also wondering, however, because she did have quite the record um, of, you know, a prison. She, I mean, she was arrested. She was um, oh, yeah. She said you're going to get arrested again. Right. Like put up the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You bet. You right. Right. She does have this rap sheet. So I'm wondering <laughs> if she... <laughs> If she was one time, (laughs) right? You right. Okay, so what about the addict or um, the identified patient? (laughs) I put that as the their father, as so Big Mama's husband and the girl's father, because he is unscathed in um in all of the situations that are going on, and they're Mm -hmm. kind of the the everything is still he's still constantly brought up they're still comparing using his old sayings they're still comparing situations to his um to his gambling addiction like uh maxine gives starts off as great advice to bird when they're in the hallway she tells her that she's pregnant um mm-hmm. spoiler alert if you ain't seen the movie but <laughs> <laughs> but she starts off like okay like this is very important you hurt that band's uh masculinity his view of himself as a man that's very hurtful but then was like well remember when uh daddy lost all that money mama didn't say nothing to him she just did what she had to do and pulled it together like, <laughs> somebody should like, say something about the fact that he keep losing <laughs> all this the family's money the fact she that had she to hide that. the money from him in her brother's television that's some shit. That is some shit. But then he has a behavioral addiction. Like he. Ugh. Well, yeah. I mean, he sounded like a successful businessman with the laundry mats and the um, grocery store and such. It sounds like his businesses were doing well. It sounds like he was squandering the profits. Mm, yeah, that could be the case. Because if it's why would she have to be on her hands and knees? Scrubbing white people floors and taking their laundry. If you got three different businesses. Business. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then I gave uh, Ahmad the role as the mascot. Yay, yay. I figured. Uh, the mascot is often uh, the younger child who uses humor or other distracted behavior to take the focus off of the off of the family and away from the problems of the family's dysfunction. So they might feel an immense pressure to help and step up in situations when they become tense and volatile and they diffuse the situation successfully. That reinforces the pressure on them to continue to distract the family from their issues. Um, like he said, Y'all mess up the family. Can't you see that? 
I was like, oh, poor baby. This was <laughs> And then with him, you know, trying to lie that the, the, the money was being left to him to try to get everybody back together. Mm-hmm. Big Mama, there was no inclination that she was trying to tell you to get everybody back for Sunday dinner. And that's just what you felt like that she was trying to tell you. And so you mm-hmm. put that pressure on yourself, Ahmad, to make that happen. And there were often other times where, you know, getting a little tight. And then I'm like, get your black ass out here right now. Right. Well, and they said, nobody get their black ass nowhere. <laughs> okay. You making shit up. Talking about, you just wanted a chance to say some black ass. Get mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it was. That's true Kevin Hart style. <laughs> he told me, dare you. And your damn motherfucking business, bitch. Little stupid bitch. Little dumb teaching bitch. <laughs> you ain't got no nipple. Long titty, no nipple having ass bitch. <laughs> oh! <laughs> he says she ain't had no nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I'm the mascot of my family, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> Uh, they being goofy <laughs> but it is coming from a place of anxiety and trauma <laughs> thank you for that disclosure um, <laughs> but no seriously because for him especially like you have to think of seeing a, a, um, your grandmother someone that you love and have like this connection with she she died you know he died in front of you yeah and to have the complications in front of him so he saw it twice right so um, I think that was also why he he took on that responsibility of getting the family back together was it was coming from a place of anxiety and trauma. And and he said he was about to lose it. Everybody in the family losing their damn minds and he wasn't too far from losing his. So. That's one thing that I want just the black community to do better with, like handling and processing death of our elders. We don't mm-hmm. do good. Like families tend to really fall apart when that happens. And mm-hmm. even one thing that Amaya said, like no one knew where to throw the blame except at each other. The okay. issue, the blame is diabetes. Go fight cancer like Kevin Hart uncle. That mm-hmm. the, like it's it, there's no one to blame in this instance. Like mm-hmm. But they're still throwing it at each other because there needs to be someone that is receiving this negativity because mm-hmm. we don't know how to process our emotions when it comes to death and in the loss of mm-hmm. matriarchs and patriarchs in our family. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily. Um, what's the older sister name again? I'm missing her name. Terry. Terry. Um, if it was necessarily her her responsibility because she was a, the guardian of a state, but you know, make, making sure that all those things were, were handled, you know, so that they didn't have to go so much back and forth with each other. Um, a plan while, while she was alive, not while she's mm. in a coma, but what's the plan, mama? How you want us to go about this house? How do you want us to go about handling your medical bills, your, your death? And honestly, like you said, we don't talk about the preparation because it, it, it seems like only when the death happens that that's when you plan. We're supposed to be planning well before that, you know. Why do you so think that, that is? I, I think it is just we 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 not we're not educated about the ways in which we should handle our finances, even down to when we're losing a loved one. And mm. I think there is a lot of hurt when we when we are dealing with grief and loss in the black community. We 
we see it so often that it's just a trauma response to just go about, hey, let's go ahead and get the funeral arrangements and everything. Like that's just how we operate. We don't we don't go from this who place doing the body. Let's have a, right. We <laughs> who doing the body? Who getting this casket? Who doing it? You know, um, that should be stuff that we are discussing at the Sunday dinner with everyone. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's my takeaway from the episode. Thanks, Dr. B. <laughs> it's okay to have the conversation. You don't want to wait till it, because it's a lot. When someone dies, mm-hmm. they ask you over 60 questions about that person. And it's just, it's so much to process and input, you know, to take in that, of course, everybody's going to have some type of emotional reaction. And usually it's anger that misdirected hurt basically anywho Hamad <laughs> the mascot who brings humor <laughs> he does let's bring some humor to this uh, uh, moment <laughs> I know right heavy heavy so I think for him with him being in the mascot or being the mascot and being around for all of these I guess ten- tension heavy moments he knew a lot more information than he probably should like why did he know that faith was stripping until she got discovered by some man but then he <laughs> never see her in no videos and he had why did all he, the deeds. yeah why he got all the tea this boy is 12 <laughs> you know why because children like him mm-hmm. um they kind of camouflage themselves into grown folks conversation where you kind of look up like wait, wait, hey, what you doing oh. <laughs> just like in and, the kitchen when Yes. My family fucked my husband. He right by the side porn. Right, right by, right. <laughs> Just so happened. Right. The only kid at the party coming down the soul train line. <laughs> <laughs> but because he was, he he carried himself um, in accordingly, but still was able to be in a child's role. It wasn't that he was yes. acting older than he was. It's just that he was very observant of the things that were around him. And he was able to give, mm-hmm. it seems like he was actually the, the voice of guidance for Lim a lot of mm-hmm. times, even mm-hmm. sharing the good advice that he did get from Big Mama with. Big Mama always say to love yourself. Maybe mm-hmm. you should try that. Like still, like given all of this, and <laughs> Lim is like, mm-hmm. you're a real confident dude to be such a shorty. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's then, like, well, Big Mama been pouring into me all of these years because I've been right. right next to her getting all of this wisdom. Right, exactly. And sometimes, you know, for some people, it could be frowned upon to have a child that's so involved in adult conversation. But at the same time, the way he was involved, because you, you got to see the interactions that he's having with all these adults throughout. Mm-hmm. So Big Mama, um, even with Miles, you know, he's in mm-hmm. there helping him cook. And so he has these relationships. That he's, he's right, right. And so I think it's beautiful for children to be able to interact with adults in that way and not mm-hmm. necessarily always trying to push them down because they're children, right. Right. right? And put them in their place, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, if he wants to communicate about something, he, he, they're going to cut grandma's leg off. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a real hard com- conversation, baby. <laughs> You want to talk about it. <laughs> and that's how Terry kind of approached it. She was like, you're yeah. worried about her, aren't you? And he was like, yeah. yeah. And she was like, and then was just honest with him. I don't and know. So it, it seems like mm-hmm. they weren't sugarcoating things for him. They were handling right. him appropriately. And so right. we have to remember that this is the 90s and he's living in Chicago. And so like when we see him walking down, like he's just mm-hmm. walking down the street with his friends. Like there is a certain level of grow up that has to happen a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier for kids that live in cities like that where you have to navigate situations uh, and and that 
other places don't have to handle in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had I mine was well adjusted to me. <laughs> he was. He just, he just yeah. you know, like he he if he doesn't learn how to manage the all of the things that he is taking yes. at, it potentially could the humor yes. could then be coming from a place of anxiousness. It could be coming from a place of like yeah. uncertainty because of the um the things going on around him. But it seems like because he does have so many supports and he is able to communicate and people are always constantly feeding into him and giving him skills. Mm-hmm. And it seems mm-hmm. like each person is trying to give him their best. Um, my prognosis for Ahmad is great. Same. I agree. Yeah. I, I think he's going to end up being the, the caretaker, however. Hmm. I know. I mean, uh, hopefully it's no longer a dysfunctional, like he can end that intergenerational problem of yeah. dysfunction. Because he's I'm hoping for his future. He's family. too young to be financially responsible for all of these adults. Like they, you know, but he can. I don't, I don't know. They got Uncle Pete TV money now. They do, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So. I think I think I, my only thing was like to to be if I worked with him for him to understand these roles and dynamics in his family and how to prevent from, you know, being absolved in all in various roles, including the role of caretaker, because sometimes caretaker can be a synonym for the glue that holds the family together. Mm. And that's my concern for him, especially with his mom being like how she is and her even in trying to give advice is really just maintaining the the function systems that they have in place. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want her to then push that into him that this is how he has to be. Yeah. I, I hope that she allows him to find what his how he handles and navigates things because a lot of times when you try to break up that homeostasis with families something else will come in and pull everything back down and so i hope that they allow him that space for him to grow and develop into his own self yeah Uh, yeah that's great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully he just becomes one of those cool dudes that's like yeah my family is a little like when he bring his woman over my family you know it's a little like be careful (laughs) how you talk to my aunt yeah. <laughs> don't give the reverend all of my mom's eye. food and smile like don't <laughs> hug the reverend because he's a dirty old man um, <laughs> be careful <laughs> but the way that he laid out everybody's tea at this age for the and narrated the whole movie i do okay. think that he'll be able to have those skills as he's continues through life too so i see that being good for him yeah i did not not did not diagnose miles Kenny or Lim because to me they really were just the partners who were helping continue the function of the family like they literally like these women who are in these roles in in this family Mm -hmm. went out and found people that would continue to function in their level of what they have going on and they support and maintain that and Mm -hmm. so I did not diagnose them um at all maybe Lim uh problems due to incarceration that yeah yeah, because, and you know, yeah, because he, he was just trying to find his way. He wanted to do it, it on his own. He didn't want to be helped by his woman because it felt like if I get my woman to help me find a job, then that makes me less of a man. So a lot of it was systemic issues, you know, mm-hmm. um, identity issues for him that he had to work through. But other than that, I don't really, which would make someone angry, right? And so, 
or depressed. And I think a lot of times people see depression as just being sad, but sometimes depression can actually be irritability and anger. So perhaps that was maybe where he was and being depressed that I can't provide my family or something. I don't know. Possibly, but I'd be angry after I had to whoop Simi Wells' ass too. And then y'all sent your cousin blip and when I'm drunk. And then so then yeah. that's that thing. And yeah, you right. I, and you got you're on right. this gold bracelet. I couldn't afford to take us to the movies last week. You got this gold bracelet Did on you this know, nigga. Like that bracelet was actually worth fifteen thousand dollars. Oh my god, and she threw it on the floor. Yep. She said, Fuck that bracelet. <laughs> this bracelet don't be shit. This right. She took it. Uh, what they didn't film was that she picked it back up, dusted <laughs> off, made sure it won't broke, and put it somewhere where she, right? <laughs> I'm going to pawn this later. <laughs> As she should have done from the beginning, Bert. Why were you wearing it? You should have pawned it immediately. She and was then- a, But she's the type of girl that wears Chanel sandals around the house. So. I mean, really? There was a lot of pressure for him to keep up with that. Exactly. And so there, there's that. Poor Lim. I feel so bad for Lim. I take it back. That man was not depressed. He just had a lot going on. Yes, he had a lot of external factors that were weighing upon him. But what I did appreciate is that it didn't fully allow uh, itself to wreak it his self his self esteem because oh, yeah. um, his self image rather. It did pick out a little bit of his self esteem with him wanting to be able to provide and him viewing himself in that role. But him his self worth because each time that something good for him was going on, he was like, "Cause I'm the man." They knew that I knew that y'all was the best dude in there. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I thought it was so fine when he was your sergeant. I liked it. I know. Okay. so fine. Oh, yeah, you are the man with your little bird chest. <laughs> best smile ever. Okay, and so the um the only other person then that I did diagnose or even consider in this conceptualization was Uncle Pete. And with we know we did not get much from him, just considering probable major uh, neurocognitive disorder due to Alzheimer's disease with mm-hmm. behavioral disturbances with him not leaving his room for that sustained amount of time. And mm-hmm. I would just like to say that the family ain't shit because they did not tell Uncle Pete that she was that uh, Mama Joe was dead. They right. didn't even let Uncle Pete come to the, go funeral. To the funeral. I was so confused, but I said, wait, so he didn't go to the funeral? At least? Y'all didn't get that I man? I didn't even tell the man that he was, that she died. You didn't even think it was enough to go up there. I understand he might not be in his right mind. But you put, didn't try. put some clothes on, Uncle Pete. Right. Put some clothes on, Uncle Pete. We got to go. Mm-hmm. We got to go somewhere very important. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Now, here's the Did other they just forget that Uncle Pete was up there? No, I feel like the other perspective is that sometimes people who are dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's sometimes have difficulty when they hear of a loss or death. Mm-hmm. And so that could be why maybe that information. So you think there. you think they took that into consideration and as a unit decided that they wasn't going to tell Uncle that, Pete while they weren't even is, speaking to each other? That is just another perspective. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're going to assume the best for them. And we're going to assume that Maxine and, and Bert had this conversation when mm-hmm. they stayed at the restaurant after Terry uh, says sorry and left. And uh-huh. so maybe they had that conversation. They decided to And decided. Going to tell. Yeah. No, that and was after mama died. I don't know, Rosie. Don't know. <laughs> that's tough. Like, Ooh. that's his but sister. We'll assume. So. We'll, we'll assume that they decided as a unit that they weren't going to tell. 
<laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I would um, also like to know how in the hell was the TV working when it was chock full of money? Maybe that's why he brought it down. He's like, I'm in my right mind again. The TV not working. And he brought it down and say, hey, 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 help me with TV. Or, or he knew that the money was in there. It was just a facade. It was just like, maybe he had a bunch of TVs in his room and that was just one that held something. He was actually watching the one. And when he heard that fire, he left the room with the TV. Like, I'm going to get yeah, the fuck up yeah, out of here. Like, it's money. Like, I smell smoke. Let me get, get the TV and go. I like that one. Yeah. yeah I think you it's that one. You got to know to, hey. Uh, I know where the money is. I got it. <laughs> get my stuff to go. He had a color TV. That was his old black and white that the right. was hitting. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's my theory. Stick it to it. Uh, why did they make Terry sit down and, and have that meal with Faith and Miles at the table? That's trash. I mean, because that's how the family dynamic is. That's how they do Terry. <laughs> that's how they do Terry, man. That's the continual abuse, you know, that everybody just allow. <laughs> but then she allows it too. Like, ma'am, you know you don't have to stay here. No. But at the same time, it's like, but this is my family. Y'all this is my family, family house. Y'all can leave. Y'all get the Let her go if she want to. <laughs> okay, I know that's right. I ain't going nowhere. Is that what it was, Miles? I didn't care. Right. I would make everybody else feel uncomfortable. Fuck that. Y'all, I'm going to make you feel so uncomfortable that you're going to have to leave because I ain't going nowhere. Miles, you, is that what it is? Shit. <laughs> and he feels so comfortable that he still come back even though they got a divorce. It's the audacity for me. It is what it is. Why is he allowed? But like this, unless Terry is, is maybe she's just Cause she's not that evolved. <laughs> Why does she allow it, Lord? Cause she don't know no better. This how she she's been treated no her whole life. Whole thing, whole thing. Didn't even know. The only time she received a, a validation and respect for her uh, her worth is at work, right? And for the money that she's able to contribute. And they about to make her partner, right? <laughs> I mean, we know all the deeds because of Ahmad. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> because of you, we were able to diagnose your old family. <laughs> and he turned it into a film. We appreciate you. Shout out to the, I think, the writer who uh, of this film, who basically was Ahmad and is told the story of his some of his family experiences oh. through this film. Um, which is why I think Ahmad knew so much tea, because this grown man was Ahmad. <laughs> that had to be the case, baby, because I mean, I I, mean, I still I don't be knowing a little thing. bit what was going on, but I didn't know what was going on. Like, my Ahmad know what's going on. No, he know. I'd be like, dang. People be asking me, so you know what? I'd be like, I don't know. I don't, I, what? It did what happened? And so that's why they stopped coming around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just now learning things as an adult, like. Oh, that that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Terry held it together though. She because did. I would have busted like a mod just would have saw these two naked people having sex and it would have ruined his sexual development because I don't know if I could have just like nope, we gotta go. Nope, turn around. No, quick, quick. Nope, no. go back. 
I, I, I aspire. I aspire to that level of, of, of planning and um, uh-huh. aware presence of mind. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's where, that's where I, I practice mindfulness regularly to get there. Oof. My end goal. That's what it looks care. like when I've arrived. Solution shit. focused. I be doing <laughs> meditations and shit. I still ain't there. You know what I'm saying? Like that. <laughs> I've come a long way from my anger, but shit me. <laughs> that one ain't going to be easy. The presence of mine to be like, I don't want my nephew, this little boy, to see these two people having sex. Like... Let me try to put myself. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried and I can't. <laughs> I look. Uh, mm. I can't. <laughs> like maybe, um, no. maybe I have to just sit to him back downstairs. Like, hey, matter of fact, I need you to go back down. Oh, and go yeah. Get, um, go I get my shoe. <laughs> I can't make it back down them stairs. You see how heavy I'm breathing now? Go back down there. Go get, the, go go get my shoe. <laughs> go get me something with this bitch. <laughs> go get me the remote. <laughs> something. Go get my belt. <laughs> mom's be like, mom's be like, I didn't do that. No, not for you. Go get my belt. <laughs> like major pain. Go get my feel oh, guy. Okay. I'll go in that room swinging that shit. <laughs> Like just knocking all things. Listen, honey, mm. Mm. that had to have been a clip that had been seen uh, a few times. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they recorded that a few times, or maybe that was a script. That had to have been a script. She just she saved it un- until that moment. Mm. It was either then or there. You know what I'm saying? I think I, I hey, I don't, I don't see any any problem with the way that she handled it. I would do it in my house because you know was was them in my house. You can't say shit now. Now you got me acting out and acting out of, out of personality or out of, out of character in front of other people. Okay, now I'm pissed. So I'd yeah, do it now in my, my business is in the street. Now, now my business is in the street. Know that faith fuck right. my husband because the record literally was like. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she ran up into that shit. <laughs> Miles probably tripped over it on his way running out the house. <laughs> the comedy. <laughs> I cannot. If you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, please buy our merch or you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we would rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye. It's Cinefile.